This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. How many of you guys would agree with me? Let's just do some hands. How many of y'all would agree to me? Christmas is all about Jesus. How many of y'all? Christmas is all about Jesus. How many of you, though, if you raise your hands, Christmas is all about Jesus. If we were to inventory your calendar and your checkbook to find out where your money and where your time has went, would Jesus really be what your Christmas is all about? You see, it's so easy at Christmas to have the, the sentiment that Jesus is what this is all about, but to really hijack Jesus during Christmas. We do that. We hijack Jesus at Christmas. And what we do by doing that is we take a God who came to us, a God who has revealed himself to us, and we start telling God who God is. We hijack the person of Jesus. It's real simple. If you're that angry, judgmental person, you have an angry, judgmental Jesus. That's how we tend to project those things. If you're kind and forgiving and you're the person that thinks that the whole world would be a lot better if we could just hug more often, right? right you have a lovey-dovey Jesus. I don't know if you remember the great debate in the middle of Talladega Nights that happened between Ricky Bobby and Cal Norton Jr. about which Jesus they liked, right? As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but actually hijacking Jesus is a national phenomenon right now. Let's look at this video. I want you to see some news reports. from across Every the year, the holidays bring along an abundance of gorgeous, colorful, and religious outdoor displays. However, those same holiday exhibits can unfortunately attract thieves and pranksters. Christmas tradition attacked. Baby Jesus was stolen out of a manger in St. Bernard. Someone driving by the community city hall noticed the theft Christmas Eve. As Local 12's Tiffany Wilson reports, police are calling the crime cowardly. What served as a symbol of Christmas for people in Homa is missing. Right after Thanksgiving, someone stole the statue of baby Jesus from the downtown manger. During Christmas, the parish decorates the courthouse lawn with a nativity scene. But this year, the most delicate piece, the figure that represents Christmas, disappeared. Visiting the nativity scene at the Paul Young Funeral Home is a holiday tradition for the Mount Healthy community. But last Christmas Eve, the star of the lifelike scene vanished. Several years ago, another disturbing baby Jesus theft occurred. A New Hampshire couple was shocked to discover their plastic Jesus had been taken and replaced with a Budweiser beer can. Baby Jesus was stolen and an orange traffic cone was left in his place of honor. Christmas Eve is the first time the theft was noticed from the nativity scene outside of St. Bernard City Hall. Since then, the St. Bernard Police Department has put out a message saying that baby Jesus was gone and they want him returned. I love this year. Churches have gotten wise to this. This has been going on for about 10 years now, nationwide, all right? And so this year, churches started installing GPS trackers on, on the baby Jesus. And so I have read, I've read at least five or six articles where somebody has been arrested for stealing Jesus. Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you think about, like, the thing you want to tell your kid that you got arrested for doing, that's, like, at the bottom of the list. I got, I got arrested stealing Jesus. That's why I'm in prison right now. 
<laughs> that's just at the bottom of the list. But you want to know something? That's what we do at Christmas. We hijack Jesus. And we take a God who has told us who he is. And we try to create God in our own image. Instead of looking at Jesus and saying, I want you to be who the Bible tells me you are. Any preconceived notions I have about who you are, I'm going to knock those down. And, and I think that experiencing Jesus at Christmas is, is remarkably connected to us being willing to say, hey, what I think I figured out, I'm going to let that go so that I can experience Jesus, the God of the Bible. Let's look at John 1. John 1 is this odd Christmas passage. You don't often read it in Christmas services, but it talks about Christmas in this way. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and the Him is Jesus. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, Jesus, was life. In His life was the light of men. We read that from Jimmy earlier. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the Son, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth for His fullness. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. He is eternal. He's existed far before any of us were ever even dreamed about in our, our parents' eyes, right? Jesus is, is eternal. He's foundational. The Bible actually describes Jesus as the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. And it tells us here in John 1 that He created everything. And then that wonderful little phrase, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is called the Word in John 1 because that, that word that's translated into word is the word logos. It literally refers to the written Word of God. So the writer John is saying, hey, you know, we have this written word that, that we now call the Old Testament where God has told us what life should be like, how we should act, the way that, that we should go about living. And, and John says, all of that, everything that God said came to life in Jesus. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. I want you to think about that as we read from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, again looking at the words that the angel would speak to the shepherds. Remember, the shepherds were not kings or nobility. They were just average, everyday working folks. I mean, it's almost as if God goes to like a local factory on the second shift while folks are outside eating their dinner in the evening. And it's at that place that he decides to announce the birth of Jesus. And in that moment, in Luke 2, beginning in verse 10, the angel said to them, 
do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news. The birth of Jesus is still good news. I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, the word that's used in that passage that's translated birthed, there, there was a Savior that was given birth to, literally can be translated to be brought to someone. I don't know if you've experienced this. I have several times. You, you know, you get, get a little under the weather. Or you have a tragedy that happens in, in your family. And, well, what happens? If you've got friends that, that, that love you and are aware of what's going on with you, oftentimes they will give birth to some good things in their kitchen. And then they will bring them to you, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You might get lucky and get, you know, like a, like a hash brown casserole or something like that. Or if you really hit the big time, you get somebody that brings you banana pudding, right? That's the thing that everybody wants when people are bringing you food. I want some banana pudding. But that's exactly the word and the connotation of the word that's being used there. That God brought to us his son. I want to look at a verse out of the book of Isaiah where literally hundreds of years before Jesus, the great prophet Isaiah is writing about the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. He's speaking directly about Jesus. Read this with me. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14. See, that word, Emmanuel, only appears twice in all the Bible. It's this beautiful word that is translated God with us. You know what's remarkable about the claim of Christianity when it's stacked up against other world religions. You know, it's often thought in our culture that it's one God, many different paths to the same God. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that's bull, okay? All right? There's absolutely nothing that's similar. Jesus would at one point say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. You know what's different about the way that other world religions present how we interact with God? Is that they tell us if we'll work hard enough, do the right things, that we can get close to God. If we'll work hard enough, and do the right things, we can get close to God. We go to God. In other world religions, we go to God. We have to pray so many times a day. We have to pray a certain way, facing a certain 
direction. We have to make certain kinds of sacrifices. We have to perform certain kinds of rituals. But you know what stands distinctively different about the Christian claim? is that God came to us. Look at this. It's in your notes today. For Christians... Our foundational understanding of God is this, number one. We cannot earn our way to God. We can't earn. Our our good deeds are never good. Our best efforts are never worthy of earning God himself. And we find that in number two that's down there, that we are sinners broken, and some of y'all need to be reminded that you're crazy and in need of rescue. Broken, crazy, and in need of rescue. You ever watch Gilligan's Island? You ever watch that show? You know what was, was kind of funny about that show? So every episode of Gilligan's Island, there was some major world crisis. Somehow, someway, somebody would find their way to that island, right? There would be something cataclysmic that would happen. And at the end of every show, at the end of every one, the problem was resolved. At least you think it was. Because at the end of every show, they were still trapped on that island. And as many problems as they could solve, they couldn't get themselves off the island. That's where we are. See, sin, sin is a terminal disease. There is no cure for it that we can apply to ourselves. We can't work hard enough to get out of that disease. We can't earn God's favor. The truth is, It's number three. God came to us. God came to us to rescue us from sin. God chose to come to us. And so in chapter two of the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus' birth is being announced to the shepherds, the angel says, for born to you today is a Savior. Christ. And that word Christ means the Messiah. Christ the Lord. Think about that. God chose to come to you. When you were a mess, when you were broken, God came to you. And and it's, and it's odd to think about. To think about that when everyone else, when we're a mess, everyone else wants to leave us alone, but God comes to, God doesn't just want to be near us, He actually runs to us in the middle of our mess. So I'd like today to go through two things that I think God runs to in our lives. That some of you need to be reminded that God is there. The first one, is that God runs to our pain. God runs to our pain. 
Now, Christmas is a, a joyous time. It's a time of the year where many of us celebrate family and we have uh, wonderful traditions around this time. But it's also a difficult time because people that we've loved and cared about that have we've lost in the last year, or even when there's relational difficulties, Christmas tends to be a time where those things come to the surface. And here's what I want you to understand about God. God doesn't run from our pain. God runs to our pain. Look at what the book of Hebrews says about Jesus, our high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So you this year have experienced the loss of somebody that you loved and that you cared for. Jesus experienced that. As a matter of fact, we find the God of the universe who's about to raise the man from the dead weeping at the news of the loss of his friend. This year you're dealing with the temptation, the pain that has broken up a relationship. Here's what I want you to know. Is that Jesus dealt with all of that. The Bible tells us very clearly that in every way, every kind of hardship that we could go through, Jesus went through it too. And he can sympathize with you. And you know what's interesting? I don't think bad of folks for it being this way, but when we hit those messy times, our family and our friends tend to distance themselves from us. Kind of put a little bit more space in the relationship. You know, I don't think so bad of folks that do that. The reason why is because I and you are not the solution to their problem often. But you know, in the midst of a world where the people that love us, even the ones that love us intently, create distance when we have problems going on, when we have pain in our lives, Jesus chooses to be near us. So I'd like to read a passage out of Isaiah. Before we turn there, I was just thinking about this. You know, I don't like to see my kids sick. I don't know about, about you. Maybe some of y'all do. <laughs> like, just let them get sick so I can give them some Benadryl and make them go to sleep, right? I don't know if that's y'all. I don't particularly like to see my kids sick, but when they're sick, there's something that changes about them. They're very active kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and they're constantly going and talking and, and getting toys out and playing and getting mad at each other. There's just constant movement with them. And you know what? When they get sick, they slow down a little bit, and they're more cuddly and huggy. They kiss me more. They want to be held more. They want my attention even more. And I think that it's in the middle of our pain 
that there's a great opportunity to deepen the relationship that we have with our Father. See, the Bible tells me that even, even though I feel that way, I'm a bad father in comparison to how much God, our Father, loves us. And so if I want to be close with my kids when they're in pain, how much more does God want to be close to you when you're suffering, going through pain? So let's read. I want to read. This is a passage that Jesus would have went into a synagogue. And Jesus reads this passage to announce his public ministry. This is him declaring that this great chapter is, this is this, this scripture, this is about me. So listen to the words of this, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. The Spirit of the Lord has called me, Jesus would say, to comfort all who mourn. If you're hurting today, there's something in your heart that is carrying pain I want you to understand that just like a good dad Jesus wants to hold you close and to be intimate with you in the middle of your pain the second thing that we see that God runs to is God runs to our problems now I need to tell you some bad news about yourself ahead of time and so for some of you, you don't know this. For some of you, I'm just going to confirm a suspicion that you've always had. You're a mess. You are. You're a mess. I don't know if you know that yet. Some of you do. You're, and some of you are like, no, I'm not. Yeah, we all have, everyone in this room has issues. Every single one of you has issues. And there's some of y'all going, I don't have any issues. That's your issue. You don't think you have issues. We all have problems. Look at what the Bible says. Again, Isaiah 61, Jesus says this about himself. I came to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. See, God sees our mess and doesn't run from our mess. God sees our brokenness and doesn't run from our brokenness. God actually runs to it. God with us. God with us. You see, we're like those characters on the Gilligan's Island. 
We, we might continue to work hard and try to solve some problems. We might, we might actually kind of work towards some, some good deeds. And we might this Christmas even be kind to our neighbors. And, you know, we might do the things that we think God wants us to do to check off the checklist. But at the end of the day, we're still stuck on the island. Because we cannot earn our way off of it. That's why Jesus chose to lay aside heaven where he was worshipped and adored for eternity and to come to earth as a fragile baby that he created. Now I've been in a few rooms where babies were born. I don't know if you have. But I'm not so sure that was a silent night. <laughs> right? I'm just to be honest. All right. I don't I don't know if it went down that way cuz it certainly didn't go down that way for us. But what happened when Jesus was born into this world? Set forth events that would lead him to the most significant sacrifice history has ever recorded. And that was his death for us. Now I have two kids, like I said, a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. John 3.16 is a pretty familiar verse for many of us. We know that. That we know God loves us because God gave his one and only son. can't imagine the joy of the moment that he was born, knowing that the whole reason he's here is so that one day he can bear the sins of the world. The lamb slain before the foundations of the world were ever even poured. The decision already made, Jesus would take my sin on his back when he was perfect. I can't imagine for the next 30 years watching my son get it right every single day. Live right. Make the right decisions. And then one day to be seized and arrested. Whipped to the point of almost bleeding to death. To have his wrist and his ankles punctured and nailed to a cross. And then executed in front of the whole city. I can't imagine that. But that's exactly what God gave us at Christmas. Because we were incapable of rescuing ourselves. And so God sent his son Jesus. Who was born to die and bear our sins. So today. What do you need? to be rescued from. Maybe you're that person just a few minutes ago. I don't have any issues. Well, you need to be rescued from that. <laughs> Maybe you're the person that came in today and you're carrying hurt from something that's happened this year or in the past and there's pain that's buried deep in your heart. Maybe today you need God to rescue you from that pain. Maybe today you're dealing with a sin issue. 
There's something that's broken in the way that you're living and you need God to come and to rescue. You're tired of every night after you've blown it and got it wrong going back to that same island and being stranded on it. You see, Jesus came because he refused to leave us there. God came to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're the kind of God that can't stay away from us. That not based on our own worth or our own value, God, you chose to come and be close to us. So God, I just ask that you, by your mercy, I would come and be our rescue today. For those of us that are dealing with pain, we've lost loved ones, we've lost men and women that matter to us over the last year. God, we ask you to come and to be present in the pain. God, more importantly, that we just be willing to let you be there. And today, God, for those of us that are struggling with sin, God, be present in those moments too. And help us, God, to make the decision to acknowledge that you're here, that you're present, and let you be our rescue. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you a question today. What do you need rescue from? Maybe today you're the person that's here and you know, you know for yourself that you are in desperate need of God rescuing your life. You're in desperate need of God rescuing your life. You need the hand of God to come down and to be your deliverer. To do what he promised to do in Isaiah 61. To break the chains. To bring freedom to your life. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. If you say today, I need God to rescue me, raise your hand right now. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? So God, this Christmas, you're the God that came to us. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it, but you did it anyway. And God, we love you. So thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being present in the middle of our pain and our problems. God, we're not going to run from you. We're going to run to you because you're running to us too. So thank you. Thank you for what you've done in lives this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.